Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. And this is Jay. And this is your new Comics Wednesday episode for April 6th, 2022. Quite a few good books out this week. Just a quick reminder if you're looking for the DC stuff, that's on our DC Spotlight that comes out on Tuesdays. We go full spoilers, full reviews, in depth about the story and the characters and all that kind of spectacular stuff. So if you're looking for DC, go listen to that, but make sure you read the books first. This one. Uh, obviously, no spoilers, as usual, uh, but we'll talk about the books that we've read in general and our thoughts about them, whether we liked them or not. And then I'll give a rundown on some other titles you might want to be on the lookout for. So uh, that being said, let's kick it off with uh, – I'm going to kick it off with She-Hulk. So this is issue three. It's written by Rainbow Rowell. Roge Antonio is the artist. Rico Renzi does the colors. Joe Caramagna on letters. A fabulous Jen Bartel cover, which uh, I love the the Bartel covers because She-Hulk is, she even says it in the book that she's getting back into her glam phase. And and granted, Bartel's only doing the covers, but Jen Bartel's like super into fashion. Uh, and like she draws really beautiful women and men. Uh, and this particular cover is She-Hulk and she's walking. She has on like a black cocktail dress and like a a pink like blazer just draped over her shoulders and Jack of hearts is walking in front of her holding an umbrella and the background's just blue with rain falling down. And it's just, it's just fantastic, man. I love the Jen Bartel covers. I love that she hulks back to kind of her feminine uh, look as opposed to the kind of the savage she hulk look where uh, like she was in the Avengers where she kind of looked like a man just wasn't a, wasn't a fan of that version. But uh, anyway, there's not a ton of action in this issue. A little bit of a setup issue with Jen getting settled in at the law firm and then a lot of stuff with Jack of Hearts. And what this really shows is Jack of Hearts is, hasn't been used a ton as a character. Um, 
he, he used more than I thought he was. Like I, I wasn't even, I didn't even realize he was in the Avengers and part of Avengers disassembled at, at one point. I just thought he showed up as a guest star here and there and had that early eighties four issue miniseries. Um, but yeah, I just think he's, he's criminally underused and he's a really interesting character. And some of the stuff that happened as the issue kind of leans into that. So I'm really enjoying it. Um, you could almost say this was more of like, this could have been titled Jack of hearts as opposed to shield like this particular issue. So I don't know if, um, if she Hulk fans are like, man, where's, where's my she Hulk. I mean, she's on the page plenty, but she's on the page. She's in the story interacting with, with Jack trying to, trying to figure out what's real. What do they truly know about Jack? So uh, again, I thought it was really fantastic. I thought the color work by Rico Renzi's really good. Roge Antonio art, solid storytelling. Um, there's plenty of humor. Rainbow Ro- Rowell brings in along with kind of the banter between Jack and Jen and Jack and some of her other friends. So yeah, this is a fun book. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, all right. I guess we'll start. This is the next one that's up here. And so even though it's a little bit of a sad note, it is Jay's book of the week. It's black widow number 15 written by Kelly Thompson. The art our pencils, I should say by Elena Casagrande and Rafael de Pimentel. Isabetta D'Amico and Rafael de Pimentel do the inks. Jordi Blair on colors, Clayton Callan, Corey Petit on letters. Um, there's a essay in the back that says that this is the last issue. Um, and Kelly Thompson talked a little bit about it on her Substack a newsletter today. She didn't mention this being the last issue when she was on the show a little over a month ago. Um and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that to call her out or anything uh, because she did say, you know, that the, the sales were below what they wanted them to be. Uh, but according to her, what she's put in her newsletter today, this was one of those things where they were really, they hadn't made a decision. They're going back and forth on it quite a bit to decide, is it going to keep going? Isn't it? So they, they only found out at the last minute, but she did also say in her newsletter that this may not be the last that this creative team gets to work on Black Widow. So hopefully we're going to get more. Uh, but it's just tough, man. Coming on the heels of Spider-Woman ending last week. Um, these are two of the best three books that Marvel's putting out. I always say Black Widow, Spider-Woman, Captain Marvel. Those are those are the top three books. Those are the top. Now that Immortal Hulk is done, and I... I would even have argued that these three were better than Immortal Hulk because halfway through or three quarters through Immortal Hulk, I was really kind of over it. Uh, these are the three best books that Marvel's putting out and two of them have been canceled. It's, it's heartbreaking. Uh, but anyway, what, what are your thoughts, Jay? Are you, are you sharing my disappointment? Oh, absolutely. It's like um, Marvel has like good characters. I mean, they got three strong or like two strong female characters. You know, it's like, I'm, you know, the sales, I guess they weren't marketing enough. I'm not too sure what's happening, but there were great stories and the art was phenomenal. And I really look forward to these books every month. So it's just a shame that they're gone now. But uh, this was a really good issue. Um, the last issue we know that, you know, she had her, uh, Natasha had her uh, arm cut off by the living blade. But don't worry, you know, it's not, that's not, that's not, not, it's going to end. <laughs> it's actually a really good action packed story. Um, there's a lot of teamwork in this, which I liked. I guess they were just trying to, uh, 
I guess, uh, tie up the loose end, so to speak. Ha ha. Cause you know, she had her arm cut off, but, uh, <laughs> it was a really good issue. Uh, the ending, um, I think was kind of sad, but at the same time, it just had that uh, nice little closure for Natasha and her family and friends that are, are you know around her at the end of the story. Like I said, I, I want more. Um, and I know, like you said, there'd be more, maybe it'd be an annual, maybe it'd be a mini series. I don't know. I just hope they keep the team together and, just don't give up on the character because, you know, she is an amazing character and she had such a great voice in this by Kelly Thompson. You know, she had, you know, more uh, character, you know, and more going on with the, with the character. All we know is she's, she's a tough girl. She knows how to kick ass and that's all we knew. But here we knew more what was going on inside of her head and how she, how she thought. And I, that's one thing I liked about the story. Yeah. There were two moments that I really, really loved. The second one, kind of leaned into that or, or even before I read the essay, just based on how the issue was ending, I was, I was like, you know, when they do that thing where they kind of celebrate or they'll have a line or two in there that really kind of sums up what the, the tone and the feel of the entire series. So there was a, there was a, like Natasha has this line. I won't say exactly what it is because I don't want to spoil, but one of the things that we've talked about, I've talked about a lot when talking about black widow is how most black widow books in the past, most Black Widow titles or series have been about Natasha and just Natasha. And she's a loner. She's on her own spy mission, sneaking around or whatever. And I've talked about what Kelly Thompson has done is bring in such a supporting cast and like a family for Natasha, which you're not used to seeing in a Black Widow book. And Natasha has a line about that. Um, and so then I was like, Oh, wait, what's going on here? Like they're really leaning into that. And then I saw, saw the essay. The other, the other really impactful moment was, the the scene with the resolution for what's going on with Natasha's arm, the yeah. colors were amazing. That was a fantastic scene as well. So sad to see it go, uh, but yeah, it was it was such a great book. Really, really gonna be really gonna miss it. Uh, all right, my next book is Reckoning War, Fantastic Four number forty two. This is the next part of the Reckoning War, uh, written by Dan Slott. Rachel Stott is the artist. Jesus Arbatov and Eric Arseniega do the colors, Joe Kermani on letters. Um, I'm really enjoying this Reckoning War. I, I haven't heard anyone talk about it. Here's a here's a, an event that literally like 20, 25 years in the making from Dan Slott. It's got Fantastic Four. It's got the Silver Surfer. It's got Galactus. It's got She-Hulk. It's got the watchers it, it it has everything everything that's cosmic and fun and big and eventful uh and nobody's talking about it but man dan slot he's making it compelling he's making it fun uh he's making it big in scope which is feels strange to not have anyone else talking about this uh it's not crossing over with any other books it's just in in the fantastic four like even it's not even crossing over with she hulk and she's in the series, and so is Jack of Hearts. So I, I do enjoy that, that at least if it's crossing over, it's, it's almost like Jack of Hearts and She-Hulk are, uh, are a couple or, or they're kind of joined at the hip right now. So I guess continuity-wise, if you fit this in, it must come after the first arc of She-Hulk maybe. Uh, but regardless, the art is fantastic from Rachel Stott. Really bright colors, which again helps it with that for sort of uh, super heroic feel or, or adventuresome feel that Fantastic Four should have. This issue particularly has some family stuff. Again, that's something you expect from a Fantastic Four book, but the angst and the gravitas and the emotions that kind of boil over in this issue from the thing and Mr. Fantastic 
uh, I, I just thought it was great. I just thought it was great. Uh, I know not everybody's a big fan of Dan Slott. I think he got death threats for supposedly killing Peter Parker. Again, these are people like, you don't. if you think that Dan Slott has the ability to kill Peter Parker and never bring him back, if you really believe that, then you're, you're a fool. You know, Disney's not going to lose a billion dollar IP, literally a character and intellectual property worth billions of dollars. Just look at how much money No Way Home made. They're never going to do that. So uh, again, I know Dan Slott is not everybody's favorite, but I, I think he's, he's doing really good work on, on Fantastic Four. So, and the pace, the pacing too, for this, um, this is how you do an event where, uh, there's there's enough mystery and intrigue about what might happen next, but there's enough action to keep it going, and you're not in the back of your mind asking yourself a bunch of questions like, you know, uh, shoving the mystery down your throat of who Red X is or or something like that, or or what what's in the, what was in the box that Catwoman and Riddler stole, or or those kind of forced uh, forced mysteries. None of that's here. So, uh, all right, Jay's next book. Next book from Image Monkey Meat. We're up to was it issue number three? It's from or no, sorry, issue number four. Um, and this is from comic creator Junie Ba, who does the uh, illustrations as well as writing it. And yeah, this is for for, for people who love ice cream, man. <laughs> this is another strange <laughs> anthology in that uh, in that same vein. So, what do you think of issue four, Jay? Oh, it's a fun story. Like I said, I just like that, you know, each story's different, but somehow they have them all connected still with the characters. So this one is just, you have a character that's, uh, she's a female, uh, a stew. She's a diehard fan of monkey meat. Like she has everything you can think of monkey meat, posters, statues, you name it. So she finally gets a dream job on the island. And of course the island we know is corrupt because, you know, corporations are that way. They're evil. So she has an adventure with, with the other main character, uh, character, a lug, you know, as the hero of the island. Things go awry. It's it's like it's fun. Like I said, the artwork is not the cleanest, and if you're not really used to that kind of artwork, you're not gonna like it unless you like uh, the stuff and you know I, uh, Ice Cream Man. But it's fun. Uh, the ending uh, is neat because she's like, you know what, this place is you know what it is, evil. So she kind of walks away from it, but she gets a little bonus at the end, which is kind of nice. So we'll see her again. I don't want to give away too much, but we'll definitely get this character back in the, in the story down the road. But I enjoy it. It's something to look forward to. I'm supposed to look forward to because it's silly and it's just funny. Yeah, the art seems really out there too. Kind of suits the style of story. The story is oh, yeah. sort of out there. So, uh, okay. My next book is from Aftershock. Uh, and I will say that it was nice to see the Aftershock team at WonderCon this last weekend. They were far and away the biggest comic, comic book publisher that was there. And there's, their booth always seemed busy. Um, and if you're lucky enough to be hanging around their booth, I might have given you a free free trade. I gave away several. I gave away uh, Miles to Go. I gave away a trade of Maniac of New York, the first volume. And uh, what was the last one? Last trade I gave away. Oh, my God. I can't remember what the third one was. Um, yeah, Maniac of New York. What the heck, man? Um, I'll have to go through my, yeah, I mean, definitely Maniac of New York and, um, Miles to Go are two of my, oh, the last one was Kaiju Score, um, which I gave away to a guy who was into Kaiju and Crime Noir. So I'm like, well, this is a high story with Kaiju. You'll love it. 
So anyway, um, yeah, there's a new series starting uh, Aftershock series. It's called The Ocean Will Take Us. First issue is entitled Troubled Waters. Rich Duick, I think I'm saying that right. It's D-O-U-E-K. Is the writer, Carlos Oliveras is the artist. Manuel Pupo does the colors. Dave Sharp on letters. I will say the art style is very manga. Uh, bright colors, which, you know, these, this book stars high school kids. So it's colored appropriately in terms of making it feel bright and youthful. But if you're somebody who's off put or, or doesn't care for like manga, heavily manga influenced art, you, you may not enjoy this. But I do uh, not necessarily go all in on the manga, but I thought that the story here was really intriguing and compelling, and I didn't necessarily mind the manga-influenced art. I mean, it really, it looks like colored manga. I mean, it's like big eyes. Some characters have really sharp noses. But I thought overall the storytelling was really great, and it's a little bit of a... Sounds going to sound like a pun. A little bit of a fish out of water story. It's about this kid that moves from Hawaii to um, to the mainland. I guess it doesn't say exactly uh, exactly um, where this town is that he that he moved to, um, but it's a uh, a town where swimming is a big deal. Like the being on the swim team is like the thing to do. Um, and this kid is. Uh, was a really good swimmer. He was Hawaiian state champ and whatnot. And so, yeah, there's, there's some um, animosity there between uh, and some rivalries between uh, this, the new kid, basically, who's, you know, again, this is fish out of water. It's a classic story. A new kid moves to town, fills out a place, that sort of thing. So the town is called Almanzar Bay, A-L-M-A-N-Z-A-R. And everybody works for the Titanic Oceanic Plant, um, which is this big plant that does oceanic research and all this other sort of stuff. Um, so there's there's plenty of mystery going on in the story, and there's plenty of rivalry and teenage angst and and all that kind of stuff. So I I, I really enjoyed it. I, I I've heard of Rich before, uh, but I've never read anything by him. Uh, but I was pretty impressed with this first issue. Once again, Aftershock putting out a really great book. Uh, all right. Up next for Jay, we have Captain Marvel Annual Number 1. This is actually not written by Kelly Thompson. And I was, I admit to being a little worried when I went to read it. I'm like, oh, Kelly, it's not Kelly. Uh, but I did feel like this writer, he did a pretty good job of, of being faithful to the voice that uh, Captain Marvel, that Carol has in her own book. Uh, the artist's name is Torun Gronbeck. I think I'm saying that right. It's obviously Swedish. It's T-O-R-U-N-N-G-R-O-N-B-E-K-K, but the O has a big slash through it. So I'm not, I'm not exactly, I don't read <laughs> Norwegian or whatever that is, um, Scandinavian language, but I think it would be pronounced Gronbeck. Uh, the art is by Carlos Gomez. The colors are by Dijo Lima. Letters by Clayton Cowles, some fantastic covers. Um, so, yeah, what did you think? Oh, you're right. Uh, different writer, but you could tell it was still the same voice as, you know, as we were used to, you know, with uh, Captain Marvel. It was fun. It's uh, It kind of starts out kind of weird because I wasn't sure what was going on, but, you know, she's uh, 
Tishley gets uh, arrested, and I was like, okay, what's going on here? But I don't get too away, but it's pretty much like uh, she has to go to prison, and this prison is just the worst you can think of because, you know, it's a space jail. Uh, she runs into some uh, old friends, and it tells you in the beginning it's a star jammer, so it's no spoiler there. Uh, but the reason why it, there's a reason why she's there, uh, try to help out some uh, her friends, and there's a j- giant jailbreak. Uh, it's got a lot of action in it. The ending is kind of shows why she did what she did to you know kind of uh not really tie up loose ends but to help out a you know a, a friend it was a fun book i mean it wasn't it wasn't a bad annual but you know it's still uh it's still worth reading it wasn't bad i mean if you're gonna you know just went a little too fast that's why i kind of had to go that that's it because it was kind of a short for yeah it was only like what 33 pages i expected it to be a little more than that but it was so fun and the artwork is really good in it and like i said it just kind of set sets the same tone from the regular series so i didn't really feel like i missed a beat there at all yeah i mean that that's that's the thing it wasn't um there's so many other characters in here and so much stuff going on besides carol that carol didn't have to focus on the she didn't have to be the focus of the story you know what i mean so it may have helped with the, the writer getting the, the voice right um but yeah, it, it was fun. It was enjoyable. Um, so yeah, interesting to give somebody else a shot on um, on Carol. So, oh yeah. Uh, all right, up next, here's a character that's been on a lot of people's minds and uh, opinions have been fl- flying. Moon Knight. Uh, I think as we're releasing this, I think the second ish, uh, second episode of that releases tonight at midnight on Disney Plus. Uh, but we get the 10th issue of the ongoing series from writer Jed McKay. Art is by Alessandro Capuccio. Rochelle Rosenberg does the co- colors. Corey Petit on letters. Ah, uh, man. Uh, the more I read Jed McKay's take on Moon Knight, the more I'm enjoying it. You know, I've talked a lot in the past about I, I don't like the fact they lean so much into his what used to be called split personality. Now it's called DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder. Um and it feels like McKay's gotten away from that a little bit and he's leaning more into this idea, which they also do in the show that Moon Knight is, is much scarier and more like terrifying than almost any other hero in the Marvel universe. And I, even though I haven't watched the show, I've heard about him like transforming in a bathroom. And then this, this like dog, this supernatural dog creature, Anubis or whatever, um, like trying to actually get away from him because even though it's a giant monster that's in the bathroom with him, it turns out that Moon Knight's the bigger monster. He's the scarier thing. Um, and I love that Jed McKay's leaning into that. And the way this issue ends, because we get a classic Moon Knight villain that shows up here, uh, and the way this ends shows Moon Knight can be a monster in a completely different way. Like he's ruthless, he's terrifying, he has no mercy in him, he you know, he is the fist of vengeance. Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, it was, it was just a really, really good issue. Um, I feel like the uh, Alessandro Capuccio art is getting a little more ethereal, a little less defined, very fine lines, which I typically like, but the, there's a lot of strange lighting choices. Um, like he's, he's kind of forcing it to feel more supernatural. I, I, I don't, I don't think it's necessary. I think he he's like, just draw Moon Knight with the white flowing cape and the scary stuff and the rest of it kind of takes care of itself. So I did feel like at times 
the backgrounds and the lighting were a little over rendered. I don't know if that's actually Capuccio or if it's something that the, the color artist is doing. It didn't, it wasn't enough to pull me out of the story. I haven't seen Rochelle Rosenberg color like that before. Um, but as I'm flipping through it now, I just I wonder if I can't dial that back a little bit. Cause I, as I said, it, it feels like they're trying to force it to feel more supernatural than it is. I don't think you need to, I think it's standing on its own. I think it's excellent. So, uh, I know you read it too, Jay. Any, anything to add? Uh, you're right. It just seems like they uh, made it a little too dark. I think a lot of the panels were like, like they focused on the character, but there was no background. So I was like, okay. And it seemed kind of maybe he was rushing. That's what I felt like. I felt like he was kind of trying to rush this issue out. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not too sure. But so far, that was probably the best story so far because it's really good. And I kind of like you as like I'm like the old school Moon Knight, I like the old school Moon Knight. So I was like, well, I'll give this one a chance. I mean, it, why not? But it's, so far, it's been pretty impressive. And this last story has just been amazing. I like the story. It was really good. And you see that Moon Knight is Moon Knight at the end. It's like, yeah, that's what I like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The end was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah was pretty cool so uh all right well up next we have devil's reign this is issue six of six finally reaching the conclusion of this thing uh written by chip sadarsky art is by marco Cicchetto. colors are by marcio menez letters by clayton cowles how did it wrap up for you and what did you think I liked it. I, uh, I mean, we have like a battle royale going on right from the get go, which is kind of you know fun. Everything's going on. Um, we know there's a the death in there, and it kind of played out the way you expect it to. I mean, you know, uh, you know, you push Matt to the limit because you know, that's what you know Fist does, but you know he doesn't cross that path because he can't because you know he's a hero. I like the ending because they kind of tie it all up. Uh, Fist, you know, is just you know he always seems to. I don't want to get, you know, he just gets, he gets, you think he's going to get his just desserts, but he never does. It's like, dang it. Why? <laughs> That's why I didn't like us. It's just the way it goes, I guess, for Fist, the way he is, you know, but the best thing for me was, you know, now that, you know, it's all over and said, you know, Electra and Matt are not going to uh, do their own little um, mission now and try to go after the hand. And I think that's, that's what I liked about the whole story. I mean, it was still a good story. It was fun. And it seemed kind of repetitive because, you know, we kind of seen this story before in Marvel, but hey, if it worked the first time. Why not? You know? Yeah. Um, again, we talked, <laughs> talked a lot about this feeling, you know, derivative of um, of Civil War. And yeah, I mean, it was almost like Civil War light, but much like a lot of what Sadarsky does, he brings more emotion into it. And this was no exception. <laughs> um, I was just the slightest bit disappointed that it the ending was a bit predictable with what happens when Daredevil confronts Kingpin. Um, yeah, but you kind of knew it was going to happen that way. Though. Yeah. Yeah. And then the kind of the fallout of that with the Kingpin, I thought again, but it, you know, Zdarsky staying true to the character. And then that last page, it was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> I guess I, I just, I'm almost to the point with Kingpin where that I feel about the Joker. Like he can just go away and I can never read about the Kingpin for like 10 years and I'll be happy. I mean, I, again, the Joker, I could never read about for the rest of my life and be fine. <laughs> uh, Kingpin hasn't reached that level yet, but I could go a good 10 years with no Kingpin story and be totally fine. Right. So, but oh, well, I, it'll be, I guess there'll be a new baddie in the, in the hell's kitchen, I guess now. I don't know. That's, that's why I kind of leave. I, I kind of get from that too, I guess. Yeah. And uh, the artwork by Chichetto was so good. So good. 
and we do get hints of what's next for Matt and um, and Electra as well. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, okay, last Marvel book to talk about. Another one for Jay. It's Strange. This is issue number two. Jed McKay is the writer. Marcelo Ferreira on pencils. Don Ho on inks. Java, I think is what that says. I think that's a J. Java Tartaglia does the colors and Corey Petit on letters. So what did you think of uh, second issue of Strange here? I like the uh, the color and the artwork. It's just good. And what I like about this is that they can do anything with this character because she's still sort of new in the in the in the in the in this universe as being the Sorcerer Supreme. So I like it, but she's not our Sorcerer Supreme. She's her own, you know, entity, which I like. We guess we get a new bag, you know, a new bad guy in this in the story, you know, a new villain, I guess you can say. But it's on the cover, so I'm not saying they knew it says the harvest man. So she her mission is to try to bring her husband back. That's pretty much what she's trying to do. But during all this, she uh runs to a zombie that turns out to be uh, you know, another character's uh zombie version of it. It ends up pretty well. I mean, she it's pretty much, you know, she's a she's a tough uh sorceress. I mean, because you know, she's like evil anger at the same time so she kind of puts that she answered pretty quick and then she has to deal with like her uh her honey do list <laughs> well, what she has to do as a source of supreme she just seems kind of bored about that danny's kind of uh interesting because she gets a knock on the door and that leads to another uh adventure for her i guess you can say but the way she changes her her uh her persona at the end of this it's like okay now we're gonna get it like the dark strange now you know the evil strange is going to come out now so now she's coming to play and that's what i was looking forward to because i know she's you know she can be very very cold you know and evil so i'm looking forward to this yeah she's definitely a sorcerer supreme that like she doesn't worry about pissing people off no and she doesn't care about killing or nothing i mean she just no. wants to get the job done so it's yeah. like okay so she's like the punisher with powers i guess but it's just her own little thing and so that's why i said it's so neat because she's kind of new and they can do anything they want with this character so i want to see what they do with it you know yeah i mean she's a full team you know she's not a human so she has a different perspective on things it's fascinating uh okay <clears throat> excuse me the last book i'm going to talk about is radiant red this is issue number two it's written by cherish chen we have art by david la fuente colors are by miguel muerto letters by diego sanchez and there's there is a backup uh, written by paul aller with uh, art by Chris Evanhois, uh, colors by Brittany Peer, and uh, yeah, I think I, I'm really enjoying this. Like from from the first time we saw Radiant Red over in the Radiant Black series, and she seemed like she was a bad guy, and then when she came back and had the big battle after Nathan was, we thought killed, uh, or at least in a coma, she, she battled with Marshall because she it was a her fault, you know. Um, and they, they sort of reconciled. They sort of got along. Um, Radiant Red apologized. It wasn't what she meant. She, clearly, she's in over her head. She has his powers. She doesn't know what she's doing with them. She was robbing banks and then can't spend any money because the bills are marked. And it, it's just this whole thing. Like, she's completely new at it. And I love that Cherish Chen is leaning into that in this series. And the second issue is all about, is she going to be a hero? Is she going to be a villain? We see other characters from the Radiant Black universe showing up. The David LaFuente art, again, a little a little manga influence, but in a different way. He doesn't have anywhere near the amount of um, exaggerated anatomy or exaggerated 
facial expressions or features the way that um, the, the Aftershock book did, but it still looks a little bit of, like an animated style. Um, so I think it works on a lot of different levels, very bright colors as well that always help. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Even, even like I said, the, the Aftershock book, the ocean will take us is feels manga influenced. This feels manga influenced as well, but their styles are very different, which again, I just think that's, that's really interesting. And, um, Radiant Red is becoming a more interesting character as we learn more about her. I think Cherish Chen is doing a good job of making her feel relatable. And I'm digging everything that the super massive verse is, is putting out, you know, whether it's Kyle Higgins on Radiant Black, whether it's this Radiant Red, the Rogue Sun stuff that's come out from Ryan Parrott's fantastic. I'm really looking forward to the Infernal Girl Red stuff from, from Matt Groom. Um, once the, the artist had an injury and she hasn't been able to draw, so it's being pushed back a little bit, but excited to get that when the time comes. Um, so yeah, I thought this was a great issue, great art. Really curious to see where it goes next. Anything it's to fun. add to that? Oh, yeah. it's a fun, it's a fun series. I just like that little universe of the radiant world. I just like it. There's so much layers to it now. So it's getting fun. Yeah, and then your last book is from Image, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Dustin Wynn. Steve Wands does the letters and design. It's uh, Little Monsters. What do you think? Oh, it's good. I uh, liked it from the get-go because I was just kind of curious. This is the end of the world, and um, there's just these little kid vampires that are left. So it's like, okay, so it's interesting. Uh, the second, from the first last issue, we know that the very end, one of the uh, vampire, uh, Romy, he found a, a human that we thought were extinct, but he, he ran into a human. So this is where this one leads off. But before they do that, they do um, a flashback to one of the characters. Apparently, they're very old because the year is like uh, 1963. So we know they're very old and they just don't age because that's their children's vampires as children. So they just don't grow from that point or age or, or grow older. It's neat because the, the vampire, the, the kid that finds the human um, has that choice. He decides to do the, the, the good thing or run away from it because he didn't want to like cross that path because he's seen it happen before. Unfortunately, one of the other vampire kids doesn't do that. He jumps all over that, like, you know, because he's hungry and it's, it's they haven't had human probably flesh in forever. So... I think the battle lines are being drawn between the, uh, I guess, the vampire. I guess it's going to be good and bad trying to protect the last of the human race. That's where I'm thinking they're going with the storyline. But uh, it's fun. I'm looking forward to the next series. I'm going to see what they do and, you know, who goes where because there's uh, 14 of these kids. So I want to see how they do this. Yeah. And knowing a little more about the pres the premise of it, I really want to read it. But I didn't get to read the second issue because I hadn't read the first one and I couldn't find my preview copy of the first one. So I definitely need to go back and, uh, and check it out. Uh, it's in black and white too. So as I like, um, I don't think they're copying everybody else like Marvel and DC with the black, white, and red, but the blood is red. And for this, it makes sense because it's vampires. <laughs> yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Uh, all right, well, let's give a rundown on some of the books you might want to be on the lookout for today uh, from Aftershock. It's just the one book this week. Uh, the one that I talked about, The Ocean Will Take Us, which I do recommend. Uh, over at AWA, there's a book called The Joneses that's debuting today. It's issue one of five. It ties in with the whole J. Michael Straczynski resistance verse that uh, he's building over there at AWA. 
From Boom, Alice Ever After, number one of five. This is a mini series by Dan Pinotion. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dan's work. Uh, I, this is Alice in Wonderland, but crime noir. So I'm curious to see how it's all going to play out. So you might want to be on the lookout for that. Uh, from DC, again, you can listen to our thoughts on the DC on our DC Spotlight from yesterday. We had Batman number 122, which ties into the Shadow War. We have bat, a new Batman Beyond mini series starting back up. Uh, it's called Batman Beyond Neo Year. It's the first issue of six. Speaking of Batman minis, Batman Killing Time, written by Tom King, David Marquez on art. Number two of six is out. Uh, also, Earth Prime, number one of six, Batwoman, which ties into the Batwoman TV show that comes on the CW. Monkey Prince, number three of 12, from Gene Luen Yang and Bernard Chang was uh very good. We had Suicide Squad number 14, the second issue of Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons number two of three, which was just amazing. That That's that's probably the best book that's come out in the last two years, first two issues of that. And then finally from DC, uh, World of Krypton number five of six from writer Michael Venditti with art by Michael Avon Oming also hits your comic shops today. Uh, over at Image, the latest issue of Firepower, number 19, from uh, Robert Kirkman and Chris Somney. We've got Loaded Bible, Blood of My Blood, number two of six, from uh, Steve Orlando, which is a hell of a wild ride. Uh, also, Walking Dead Deluxe, number 36, as well as Scorch, number four. Over at Marvel, in addition to the books that we talked about, Marauders, number one is out. We've got Spider-Punk number one of five, Star Wars Bounty Hunters number 22, as well as X-Force number 27 and an X-Force annual number one. And then we close it out over at Marvel with uh, X-Men Red number one, which has about a bajillion covers there. I think the way I'm reading that, I kind of skimmed through it. It's X-Men Red because it's on Arako, which is formerly known as Mars. So makes sense. Mars, a red planet. So X-Men Red. Um, it looks like Storm and Magneto are going to be putting together a team of mutants uh, on the planet Mars to take on Abigail Brown Brand because she's up to no good is, I think, what I saw there. So uh, interesting take for sure. Uh, and then finally, from Vault Comics, we have a new series called uh, West of Sundown from Tim Daniel. Uh, and it's about a, a vampire who has to run away from monster uh, slayers in New York City. But she's looking for the ancestral soil that will restore her undead flesh. Because if you know the kind of the um, mythos of vampires, you know, they have to sleep with some of the, their grave dirt basically in their coffin. So uh, check that out if you are so inclined. Uh, did I miss anything that you're looking forward to this week, Jay? I think you're muted. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ID, IDW, the Rocketeer, the Great Race. I, I like that character, so I thought I'm kind of looking forward to that. And then, yeah, and then uh, from uh, Scout Comics, uh, Distorted Number Two, where there's no heroes, but there are villains. So it's like, but they're super villains. So it's and you got cannibals and everything else going on. So I'm looking forward to that second issue. Right on. Well. That's gonna. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Rocketeer because there's the Rocketeer uh, campaign going on over at Zoop.gg right now for the Rocketeer puzzle. 
which is really fantastic looking. So yeah, Rocketeer making a little bit of a comeback. That's always a good thing. So anyway, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. We appreciate you all joining us as always. Uh, go check out my other episode that's dropping today. It's an interview with Kevin Scott. We talk about his creator-owned series from Vault called Shadow Service, which is coming back at the end of April. We talk about his Star Wars work on the High Republic and also plenty of talk about Titans United, which is that seven-issue series that sort of is a bridge between the Titans HBO Max show and what, what the Titans are in comics. Kind of falls in the middle. Don't need to read anything else to check it out. It's totally stands on its own. Continuity light. And is a heck of a lot of fun with fantastic art from Jose Luis. So anyway, it was great to talk to Kevin. I uh, look forward to having him back on the show again at, at some point in the future. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode. We appreciate you joining us as always. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.